Good morning, it's Friday, the 23rd of February, and this is Govindra Jaithiraj, broadcasting from Mumbai, India's financial capital. Our top stories and themes for the day. Sustained bullishness drives stock markets to another fresh record. Will it rise further? Japanese markets hit a 34-year high. What that means for India? The Reserve Bank of India joins major central banks in ruling out early interest rate cuts. The world's hottest stock in the stock markets, that is, gets hotter. Can AI get bigger? Why recovery is slow after Indian retails blowout year in 2022? Will Birla's Opus Paints take on Asian Paints? This is a core report with Govindraj Ethiraj. Markets hit a fresh high. The stock markets in the Nifty 50 hit a record closing high of 22,217, while the BSC Sensex ended 535 points up on Thursday at 73,158. So the market swung quite wildly yesterday, usually a symptom of a lack of clear direction, with the Sensex moving almost 1,175 points during the day, and the Nifty in turn hitting a fresh record high of 22,252. So the outlook, interestingly enough, is still bright. Reuters polls released later showed India's stock market will surge to new highs by the end of June and gain nearly 9% in 2024, despite pretty high valuations, according to analysts polled, who said a correction in the next three months was unlikely. The BSC Sensex Index, closely tracking the US S&P 500 Index, has risen about 19% last year. The February 12-21 to 21 Reuters poll of 28 equity analysts forecast the Sensex Index would add another 4% to reach a high of 76,000 at the end of June. Now, this is far above the 70,000 level expected in a November poll, if that tells you anything about how expectations have shifted. Meanwhile, the rupee, which usually stays in a tight band for not so mysterious reasons, has hit a more than five-month closing high. The rupee settled at 82 rupees 84 paise to the US dollar, its highest closing since September 4th, after having logged its biggest single session gain in nearly two months, according to Reuters. Japan's markets hit a 34-year high. Japan's benchmark stock market index broke the record closing high set more than 34 years ago. That was a time when Japan was at the peak of its economic might, after which it slipped into several decades of low growth. The Nikkei is up 17% since the start of 2024. The Nikkei stock average of 225 shares gained about 2.2% to close at 39,098, above the previous record of 38,915 set on December 29, 1989. The Nikkei's intraday high on Thursday also set a new record at 39,156, said the Wall Street Journal. The previous high, which is 1989, came on the last trading day of a decade that saw one of history's great stock and real estate bubbles, reports have said. Investors from overseas have been enthusiastic buyers of Japanese stocks, pumping about $14 billion into the market in January, according to data from Japan Exchange Group which is a stark shift from the roughly $3 billion that they pulled out in December, according to the New York Times. Earnings at large Japanese companies are set to rise by more than 40% in their latest quarterly results, according to Goldman Sachs, and Toyota hit a record market value for a Japanese company, about $330 billion, 
surpassing the mark set in 1987 by telecom conglomerate NTT. Goldman analysts said that the skeptics continue to argue that Japan never changes and foreigners always get disappointed. So, go get out now. While capital flows into India will remain strong, it is interesting to note firstly that in the last month and a half or so, foreign institutional investors have been selling equities net in India while clearly they've been buying in Japan. Also, to some extent the space that China has vacated has been taken up by Japan or Japan has edged into a vacuum of sorts which of course India has filled in terms of foreign portfolio flows over a slightly longer period of time even conceptually this is not something anyone in the stock market context could have visualized which is what makes it interesting and how capital flows will be or behave in 2024 RBI rules out interest rate cuts for now. Reserve Bank of India Governor Shaktikanta Das has said that the central bank's job to bring down inflation is not over and any premature move on the policy front could undermine the success achieved so far on the price situation. This was the governor's view according to the minutes of the February Monetary Policy Committee meeting released by the central bank on Thursday according to reports. Mr Das had said at this juncture monetary policy must remain vigilant and not assume that our job on the inflation front is over. He also stressed that the MPC must remain committed to successfully navigate the last mile quote unquote of disinflation that can be sticky while voting for status quo in the key interest rates earlier this month. The governor also said that as markets are front running central banks in anticipation of policy pivots any premature move may undermine the success achieved so far. So Das's statements broadly echo what central bank governors in the west including in the United States and Europe are saying who've ruled out interest rate cuts in March for instance which was widely expected at least by the markets thanks to which money had begun flowing into stocks which has now reversed somewhat with much of it or at least some of it going back into bonds India's retail industry is still recovering from a blowout 2022 It was the year after COVID or the year many of us were still recovering from COVID from shock and pain to relief and even celebration and of course like the rest of the world we shopped like almost never before keeping up with those numbers and purchasing intensity will not be as simple as subsequent years numbers have shown there are of course some smaller trends like shifts from unbranded clothing and fashion to value fashion brands which became apparent In January specifically many segments did not do well for example the consumer durables and IT segment also called CDIT the retailers association of india says it would be tough for 2023 to match 2022 and the larger challenge in some ways is the stress at the bottom of the pyramid which of course is quite evident from the numbers across the spectrum now and as we've been reporting at the core report i caught up with kumar rajgopalan ceo of the retailers association of india based in mumbai The RAI has over 2200 members and 700000 stores under its belt including almost all the large chains like Reliance, Chroma and including the jewelry majors. I began by asking him about overall trends for 2023 and what stood out before also touching on what the January numbers were saying. First thing that was there is that in 2022 most of the retailers saw super normal growth. that was because that was the year when people had come back into full form to come in and shop inside the store of plain retail online retail both were doing well at that time and customers were really wanting to to express themselves if i can call it that because all the various 
big occasions like marriages etc were all kind of huddled up in 2022 so everything was go green everybody was like pushing for all kinds of businesses to happen after that in 2023 i think people have come back on terra pharma many of the uh, retailers have seen that their growth is at the lower single digit kind of numbers it's still growth compared to 2022 but lower single digit growth and they also observed that in some of the like for like stores that means if there was a store existing earlier and now it still exists in some of the stores they have seen some negative business also is that a worry not yet because i think everybody understood that 2022 was a super year and they were expecting growth to be at 10 to 11% but the growth was happening only at around 5 to 7% but it's still growth when you say some stores have negative growth is it category or region not necessarily depending upon the time of the year it's different for example in a place like the east of india calcutta and various other places we all know that puja is a big time so during puja most of the stores saw good growth over last year also so many of them saw 10 to 11% growth but immediately after puja business seems to have come down so in peak months it's doing well but immediately after that there is a lull that's happening it's not necessarily restricted to a region it's not necessarily restricted to a particular category but some categories are doing well even now so that's a different thought altogether yeah right and i was looking at the jan figures which show that food for example grew almost 9% food groceries grew 9% jewelry also 9% whereas consumer durables fell 1% was that the 2023 trend as well no actually it was the other way around if you look at october november december food grew marginally because uh, somehow people don't seem to have gone up and bought a whole lot of food items there but the non food items were bought much more especially even if it was discretionary so people were willing to buy garments people were willing to buy jewelry jewelry has been consistent but cdit products consumer durable products have been in a slightly challenging position in january although it was growing well in the months of october november and december you were telling me earlier that you know categories like fashion and particularly value fashion have seen some shifts so this i'm assuming is the larger uh, annual shift immediately after covid many of the retailers got themselves into this whole inflation led growth and this was not a very nice thing for consumers for sure and for retailers also it was slightly worrisome so although 2022 did well many of them grew by 30 to 40% 10% to 12% of that growth was predominantly because of inflation now thanks to inflation people in the bottom of the pyramid have not been able to participate so much into this whole growth story and they not seen a big increase in their own income levels so that i think is reflecting on the value brands and various segments of value in the sense that people who are at the bottom of the pyramid are not able to buy in quantities when it comes to value items having said that if there are some value brands that have done well especially in the garments kind of sector it is because its value plus fashion and it is brand and customers are suddenly finding that even if if they were not the kind who would otherwise buy branded products they are now wanting to go and buy a value item at a fashionable item and then a branded item which aspirationally is much more appealing to them how are you seeing overall trends between online and offline kumar trend currently is that most of the retailers are doing offline and online 
especially if it's a national brand, they are definitely got their act together in terms of doing an omni-channel retail strategy. While their old distribution retail model is still existing, they are also willing to sell online through various channels, be it a marketplace or their own websites. And many of them have got anywhere from 5 to 15% kind of business coming in from online. The marketplaces, of course, have been also doing well for many of the sellers that are there in the marketplaces. But having said that, I think consumers are increasingly thinking that they will buy based upon whatever is most appealing to them. They are not thinking whether I have to buy online and offline. They are thinking I have to buy this item. And when they think that, they are thinking which is the most convenient way. And depending upon where they are and what age profile they are and what is the urgency of the product, they are willing to buy offline, online, through some of these fast commerce or quick commerce companies. So depending upon what they want, they are buying differently. And recently, we had an interesting chat with a few women who buy items for their house, for the kitchen. And they were saying that, listen, I buy my jaggery from a particular kirana. I buy my rice from somebody else because I trust him. I buy my atta from a third person. But if I have to buy my eggs and my bread and my milk immediately, I'll go and buy from a quick commerce website. So for a customer, it's very clearly convenience and trust that makes big difference for them. And of course, I think the extended version of that is, I think we are going to see what could happen to ONDC, which we could discuss as we go forward. In terms of, you know, overall consumption, so if the numbers are showing this, let's say whether it's for the month of January all of, or all of 2023, would it be fair to say that things are muted either ways, whether it's online or offline? Yeah, the first six months of 2023 was decent growth yet. The last six months of 22 was a very good growth. So if you look at last six months of 22 and the first six months of 23, it was decent growth. The second half of 23 was a muted growth. I think it is also because all of us expected too much, frankly, because all of us said that although we've grown spectacularly in 2022, we'd again grow very well in 2023, which did not happen. And like I said, the bottom of the pyramid are still not there buying. So for them, it is becoming a challenge. How are things looking from a health of the industry point of view, Kumar, overall? Retailers in general or specific? Different retailers have got different kinds of growth currently. The ones that understood the market to plan their stocks well, who are not landing themselves into overstocking situations, have done well. If you take, for example, a garment retailer. Now, in garments, if somebody is expecting a 10% growth and they have landed up into a 5% growth, that would actually mean that they've got, if you look at turn stock turns to be, let's say, three times or four times in a year, it may actually mean that they are overstocked by 15 to 20%. And if they have not been able to push it out in time, then they are getting stuck with stocks, which is of a previous season because it is autumn, winter, spring, summer. And therefore, they land up into having the wrong stock at the wrong time and it takes more time to recover. Some retailers have done well because they've understood the market. They've also grown very well in the market, they have extended themselves to multiple markets. And for them, it's not been a big worry. But retailers who have not grown so much, overestimated their sales, have landed themselves into some kind of a quandary currently. Because in the month of January, most of the, at least the fashion and, and garments and, and the accessories kind of retailers were having their sale. And yet, they don't seem to have really witnessed big growth. What is grown is definitely occasion where in January. And there were lots of marriages that happened in January. Now, that seems to be doing well. But the other retailers have not been able to do very well. 
some of the footwear retailers have been doing very well for the last three to four months. I think they've just gone ahead and done a great job on finding the right stores, the right kind of model between online and offline. I know there is a demarcation between seasonal and non-seasonal and festive and non-festive. But you feel that if you look now over the, let's say, the last three, four years, that festive seasons are clearly as sharply differentiated as they were maybe five years ago? Not really, Govind. Frankly, the sales during festival season are more, but it's not as huge as it used to be, let's say, 10 to 15 years before. Many of the retailers will plan their full year based upon what could happen in October, November, December. But it's not anymore the case. But having said that, I think the skew towards planning for some of the festivals is much more for some kinds of retailers. Again, various factors come in. For example, we talked about CDIT products. Okay, Now in CDIT, October, November and December seem to have done well for them. But it was also backed by a very high amount of consumer finance. 70% of the items being sold by CDIT, the consumer durables retailers, were by consumer finance in some form or the other. Now, in the month of January, there is not so much that's left out for them to really sell. Also, there were no big launches of any great items all across multiple categories. So, they've kind of got muted in the month of January. So, depending upon what is new, what is innovating, and where the consumer finance is more, things have changed. The other trend is, till December, we found that many of the retailers who are selling higher price point products, be it fashion items, when it comes to luxury type of items or occasion wear kind of items, be it CDIT product item, be it jewelry, I think the higher price points were doing really well till December end. In the month of January, I think it's taken a little bit of a pause, but it's not bad. But the lower price point items have been challenging for almost everybody. And that's definitely a worry in the market. We want, like I said, lower price point items to be selling we want people in the bottom of the pyramid also to be joining in and jumping into the consumption story in India. Kumar, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much. NVIDIA stuns the market. AI chip company NVIDIA's sales more than tripled in the company's fiscal fourth quarter from a year earlier and are projected to do so again in the current period. Earnings have surged more than eight times. The results exceeded analysts' expectations, the Wall Street Journal has reported. NVIDIA's results act as a bellwether for the strength of the artificial intelligence boom as big tech companies like Microsoft, Google and Apple have placed large bets on technology and need NVIDIA's hardware to drive them, the WSG has said. It also quoted Wedbush analyst Daniel Ives saying the results show that the AI revolution is just starting and not peaked. NVIDIA crossed the $1 trillion valuation mark in June and has topped $1.8 trillion now. Billa paints the town. In our corporate news section, well, we've always had some corporate news or mostly have some corporate news, but henceforth we will have a section saying so. So today, the Indian paints market is controlled by a few organized players and many unorganized players. But the organized segment is juicy because Asian Paints has a close to 60% market share, Berger is at 18%, Kansai Nerolac at 15%, and Julux made by Axo Nobel, is at 7%. Not surprisingly, everyone wants to jump in, though Asian Paints, to its credit, has held competitors at bay, not for years, but several decades now, and retained its iron grip. The Aditya Birla Group has finally launched its decorative paints brand, Birla Opus, yesterday, finally because the intent to do so was known for some time, 
and has said it's aiming for a 10,000 crore rupee gross revenue within three years of full-scale operations. Now, Birla Opus sits under the group's flagship company, Grasim, and has already pulled in about 10,000 crores of investments. Aditya Birla Group Chairman Kumar Mangalam Birla said Birla Opus would add 40% to the industry's paint capacity and claimed no paint company globally had launched at this scale. Birla Opus will offer apparently the widest range in the industry with 145 products across water-based paints, enamel-based paints, wood finishes, waterproofing and wallpapers, which is also across all consumer segments. The company has six fully automated, integrated and global-scale manufacturing plants with a total commercial capacity of 1,332 million litres per annum, the company said, which will roughly equal at least the next three players after Asian paints. So the question, of course, is will Asian paints wilt under this new threat? It's tough to say so soon because while Birla has the brand and the brand connect for cement and building material products, Asian Paints is a stronger touch and feel brand. The market itself is growing about 12% annually, going by reports. Also, Asian Paints and the other brands like Nerolac are also adding and have added a fair bit of capacity themselves. For the same reason, construction and real estate has been booming and a record number of new homes are being built and of course old ones are being repainted apart from a whole bunch of commercial applications. While paints is a marketing and distribution intensive product, the power of brand and customer comfort will matter. It will be an interesting and long battle. Remember that no battle of this kind will be short and this one might see some price wars as well. That's it from me for today. Have a great weekend and see you next week. That was The Core Report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at The Core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter for our exclusive stories, one in-depth feature a day on www.thecore.in. Do also track us on LinkedIn, where we usually post synopses or extracts of our top stories and interviews. We would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant, including, of course, India's vibrant manufacturing sector. So write to us at feedback at the core.in. And thank you once again for listening.